welcome to the Third Variable Podcast. I'm the host, L.F. Speller, and you can find this show on SoundCloud and soon with other podcasts around. The show's Twitter is at 3RDVariable, and the email is 3RDVariablePodcast at gmail.com. Send me feedback, topical questions, responses, anything like that, to one of those places, and we'll make this show our show. Again, the show is called Third Variable because I'm a social scientist, and when researching and studying relationships between variables, there are often other influences to consider. I'm hoping that my voice might contribute to that additional influence, and thus, the podcast. Of course, I'll be speaking from my own perspective, based on my personal worldview, but I welcome other perspectives, which is why I'm looking forward to what you have to say, getting the conversation going. So it is now February of 2020. Lots of things have transpired since we last had an episode. This is episode four here. Um, The main thing that I wanted to get into uh, for this particular episode was talking about the impeachment and the impending acquittal of 45, the 45th president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump. I believe tonight which is today, which is Tuesday, February 4th. I believe he's supposed to have his State of the Union address. And the Senate is presently wrapping up closing arguments as to, you know, the trial when it comes to acquitting Donald Trump because he was impeached. And uh, just quickly and briefly, for those of us who are not up on the politics and understanding fully what's going on. Very briefly, he was impeached under two articles, the uh, first article being the abuse of power and the second article being the obstruction of Congress. So these are formal documents, formal articles of impeachment that the House of Representatives uh, voted on, essentially, and and, uh, went through with the impeachment process. So he has been impeached. Um, And now those were taken over to the Senate formally after the winter winter holidays, I guess, and throughout January. And now we are finishing up and wrapping up the sessions that they have uh, had in the Senate regarding this trial as to whether or not they should actually uh, convict and remove 45 from office. This all happened uh, as a result of a call that was made last summer where he tried to evoke a quid pro quo from the Ukraine, which is a phrase that's been flying around everywhere, basically saying we want this um, you in exchange. You want this from us. So in exchange, we want this from you. Okay, And so we even had Mick Mulvaney, I believe it was his chief of staff or acting chief of staff, because the man flies through so many different employees. Um, come out and say, yeah, we did this. And the transcript, quote unquote, that they released, which is basically a summary of a transcript. There's just so much piling up as to how we already know that this is what happened, but people are divided along party lines. And so therefore we are entrenched and can hardly have any movement, which is why this is such a big deal. Either way, the president of Ukraine was trying to get this aid, but 45 said essentially that he wanted the president of Ukraine to 
publicly announce an investigation into the Bidens in exchange for the military aid that was already pre-approved by Congress. Okay. The reason why this is significant is because part of the Ukraine, an area called Crimea, was annexed by Russia a few years ago, and they are in an active conflict as we speak, with Russia being another one of the major powers in the world. Uh, this is some serious business, right? So typically, especially you know, from the Cold War era up to now, we have been in uh, at odds with Russia, enemies with Russia, um, but this is... This is some weird, you know, cozying up that's happening that should be making people very uncomfortable. Well, he and his administration uh, obstructed to in an investigation that the uh, House was trying to do, led by Democrats, because Biden was his political rival and he was effectively seeking for Ukrainian interference, which is been a huge issue ever since 2016 because of interference in our election by foreign governments, which he has also actively it at rallies asked different countries, China or Russia, whomever to investigate, or if you're listening, find the emails or whatever else it is that he said. So all this is pretty blatant. It's pretty out there, but he instructed the investigation by holding back information and refusing to abide by lawful subpoenas. Okay, so that's where the obstruction from Congress comes in. Um, it's important that this happened, this whole process happened, because uh, you have, and I'll get into it in just a second, people saying, oh, well, we vote in November. We should let the voters decide ultimately what's going to happen. We don't want to overturn the results of the election. Well, the process of impeachment is constitutional, and it's important because we can't have someone like 45, who will say the things that he has said, which is, I can do whatever I want, and ultimately try to say that he can't be held accountable for his actions, whether or not they're illegal, and this moving uh, marker for whether or not an offense is an impeachable, right, and, and, and having these conversations about constitutional law and does this rise to the level of impeachment and this and this and that and that. Well, we should be focused on what's important for the republic. And if you have a person in the executive branch of government who is essentially saying he can do whatever he want and he's overextending his powers and we have another section of the government or two, if you, you know, including the judicial system, um, who presides over the impeachment uh, hearings, by the way. Um, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court does. I mean, this is an, an, a dangerous sentiment to be expressed for our republic, right? We have all these individual states held together in a union, the United States. And to have someone say the things that 45 is saying and do the things that he's doing, we should really be, uh, I guess, glad that this kind of process is taking place, where we have a place where we can, you know, hold to him accountable and say, no, this is too far. And because you did these things, this is the retribution you will face because this is unlawful and this is not how we run our democracy. Now, to the argument, well, let me back up for a second, and I just want to make sure that it's plain. I'm 
and independent. So Democrat or Republican, if somebody's messing up, it makes no difference to me. I have no party loyalties and I'm not, you know, caping for one group or another. I'm looking for truth and I'm looking for um, making sure everybody, the that whatever happens in the government is best for the people, right? I mean, and when we have someone in office whose behavior has been egregious since their campaign three, four years ago, and looking back and seeing how the politics have been all over the place, there have been impeachable offenses that have happened before this, at least in my opinion, uh, but they have not up to this point. And so now we're in, in an election year, and he has to deliver this State of the Union address before he's been acquitted by the Senate or, you know, what is, which is very likely to happen. And they've said as much before they even uh, began the process officially. Um, but I think that a couple of the arguments that I mentioned a moment ago are problematic. One is saying that, you know, trying to remove him from office and impeaching him negates election results. I think that is disingenuous um, as well as the voters will decide. Well, yes, they will. And we go through with the election process so that they can, or at least they can try to. So, Because this is a check on a branch of government. Okay. And we don't want more election meddling. And if this whole thing is of interest to the president, because he sees Biden as a political rival and he wants an investigation into him. Yeah, that's that's from a foreign government. That's a problematic, highly problematic, in my opinion. Does this negate election results of 2016? No, the man was sworn in. He's been president and he's been doing ridiculous things, frankly, in my opinion, uh, since then. This does not negate election results. This is in response to certain behaviors that he has performed, right? certain choices that he made that he is being held accountable for. So, no, going through with the impeachment process and whether or not he's um, convicted and removed, either way, I think we're following through what the Constitution calls for. And when it comes to letting the voters decide in November... Sure, the voters will decide whether or not he's still in office. So Vice President Pence will move up and become the president. The line of succession will do what it's supposed to do. And ultimately, we will have another election to decide who will be leading the United States come November. Whether or not he's a part of that process is irrelevant in this case because, again, this is a check on the branch of government that he leads because of high crimes and misdemeanors as put forth by the two articles of impeachment by the House. So to say that, you know, we're trying to take away what voters really wanted, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think polls lead towards the idea that he should be held accountable. Um, I think... If you talk to folks in conversation, you'll find that people might be more interested in finding out the truth, especially when the idea of holding back information and voting to not have witnesses 
in the uh, trial as to whether or not to acquit him is pretty blatant. And it's pretty obvious that folks in his party are just lining up behind him for whatever reason that they need. And then, of course, we wake up today after the Iowa caucus that happened last night, and we don't have results. And so the Democrats are, of course, running around and looking absolutely ridiculous because that particular system failed. It's getting blamed on an app that they tried to use. And one of the candidates, Pete Buttigieg, is declaring himself the victor and trying to move on. So now it's stirring up all over the kind of mess in here because Biden was supposed to be the victor, but he might be fourth or fifth. And Bernie, of course, nobody wants to give him, according to you know people uh, criticizing the mainstream media and all these other kinds of things, Nobody's giving him the credit because he might actually be winning, but Pete is also going up in the polls because of this and that, because we're in Iowa. I mean, I think there are some issues with having Iowa be the first person, uh, first state rather, to hold their elections. But of course, I learned today that apparently they have something in their state constitution that says they are the first ones, and if someone tries to hold their primary uh, before them, then they'll just move it up even further. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of mess just going on, and we got some some serious stuff to, to figure out. Because, I mean, good grief. But that leads me to the next topic, uh, grief, actually, and the idea of how grief could actually be a good thing and a positive thing for us. Uh, last week, last Sunday, uh, Kobe Bryant... And several other people, including his daughter, died in a helicopter crash. Uh, They typically commuted all the time via helicopter in the L.A. area. And unfortunately, there was some sort of issue and the, the helicopter went down. And everybody on board was lost. And that actually hit me harder than I thought it would. Um, I was pretty messed up for the whole week just you know, randomly would think about it and be really down. And the news itself struck me uh, more viscerally than I expected news like that might. But then I remembered that, you know, I've been watching Kobe Bryant since he first got to the league. I was a child, you know, when he was a huge star and all the way up until now, the impact that he had on the sports and on the culture and how, you know, me being 30 three almost in a couple of weeks, you know, it's the folks that I grew up with when I were children, when I was a child um, are getting older now and, you know, people are going to pass. In this case, Colby was on a, only 41 and it was tragic. Uh, but these kinds of things happen. And then of course the, uh, my mother's birthday, my late mother's birthday was uh, this past Friday and or uh saturday rather and i think that was a weird moment to kind of culminate the week in that perhaps subconsciously i just knew when that date was and i was going through a little bit of subconscious grief and and mourning and all of that um but i think it's important for our culture to be impacted in this way, because what happened during that week, just as I was experiencing a lot of loss and grief and mourning, and really still am, especially because, as I mentioned, my late mother's birthday just passed, and thinking about her and thinking about loss in general and grief, it really slowed people down. People started to 
self-reflect. They started to take um, inventory, personal inventory, think about their own mortality. And I think that's a good thing for our culture in general, particularly because of the speed at which things move. We don't always get the chance to sit back and contemplate. We often decide that we won't do that by actively choosing things to do, like entertain ourselves or work ourselves to the point of exhaustion so that we can accumulate whatever it is that we need to do, uh, accumulate, you know, to distract us even further because we don't want to think about things like our own mortality. So that's just my other view of good, good grief, right? Um, we can recalibrate ourselves, we can realize our own mortality, take into account what we ha- already have, and, um, you know, be better because of it. So I hope the families grieve well, I hope the nation grieves well, and uh, I hope there's somewhat of a lasting impression on folks because of this and that we all find solace and peace. And so at this point, in thinking about the things that we have and the things that are good, it's the next segment. What's really good? What's really good? All right, so for this segment of What's Really Good, um, again, it's been a couple months since the last one, uh, and I have had some major changes myself uh, with our family. Uh, We got two cars, at least new to us. Well, one is brand new, and the other is new to me. Um, So my wife got a new Pacifica, which is dope. Um, It's a little hybrid, John, a little plug-in, which, side note, Ohio is tripping, tripping because they're charging us a fuel type fee of $100 because it's a plug-in hybrid vehicle. If it was an all-electric vehicle, they'd be charging us a $200 fee for the registration. And I think that's kind of whack, but it's cool. But my charger with the V8 Hemi in it, you know, they just, oh, it's cool. You know, burn all the fuel you want. It's fine. But, all right, that was a bit weird. Nevertheless, I am very great, grateful for the blessing that we have in order to be able to do that. And um, she that's the van she wanted. She's stoked about it. It was a lot of drama getting it because of it was built from the factory and the dealership was, you know, a little... The little dealership was was tripping. They were tripping also. Um, And I got the charger I wanted. It's uh, previously owned, but I got to knock off that depreciation. And it's got all the features that I wanted. Like, if I, when it first came out, because it's a 2016, I was building it on an internet, wishing that I could have that particular car. And now it's in a driveway. So, Sometimes you just wait a while and maybe you can get the thing you your heart really desired. 
But nevertheless, um, we are very grateful for that. So that's what's really good for me. Um, another thing that's really good, Star Trek Picard. Man, CBS All Access, uh, you know, feel free to sponsor your boy. Um, nevertheless, the show itself is quality. Now, you know, I'm a I'm a nerd and uh, Star Trek is very close to me. It's, it's my preferred franchise um, outside of comics, uh, my sci-fi franchise. Um, and so in this, you know, Captain Picard from The Next Generation is way older and he's starting to get into some after retirement shenanigans. The visuals are great. The theme overall is really nice. The theme song is um, is quality. The plot is intriguing so far. I'm following along. Um, and the acting is also very good. But I mean, it's Sir Patrick Stewart. So of course, of course the acting is great. Um, but the cast does well. The, um, the other characters in the show do well. Uh, also and this is such a great time for star trek star trek online has their 10-year anniversary it's a um massive multiplayer online role-playing game where basically you're a captain in a starship doing star trek stuff um i play that and um it's been online for 10 years which is crazy for that to be um the case for games in that space so congrats to them for that uh, we have Discovery going into his third season. We have uh, Picard launching. Um, of course, all the old shows that you can watch. But then they have a few other shows that are coming out as well. So we have Short Treks, which are like little 10, 15, maybe 20 minute little episodes of things happening in the universe that kind of tie into the series they're creating. Um, and then they're going to create a couple of different shows like uh, that are like cartoon based and you know, so they're just kind of expanding and growing their um, their space on CBS All Access. And that should be a really good time to watch and enjoy and appreciate the sci-fi that's going on with that uh, with that franchise. Man, I'm, it's a good it's a good time for that. And with that, uh, I think I'll wrap this episode. I got stuff to do, laundry to put on, dissertations to write, papers to grade, all that good stuff. This has been an episode of the Third Variable Podcast. You can email the show at 3rdvariablepodcast at gmail.com. Catch the show on SoundCloud. If you can reach the show via Twitter, that would be dope too. At 3rdvariable. And my personal handle on Twitter is at datsiteguy. D-A-T-P-S-Y-C-H-G-U-Y. When you tweet about the show, be sure to use the hashtag 3VP. And we out. <laughs>